Hey, it's Arrow. Inside the Future Home Podcast Studio, Tom Duncan, he connects you to the stories of modern-day technology and how smart homes and devices are changing your life and my life every day. Future Home, the podcast. You can get it on iHeartRadio, iTunes, Spreaker, and Spotify. Hey, let's do it. Let's play it forward. A look at the unexpected changes endured by the entertainers, writers, camera people, and all others affected but not infected by the global invasion of the coronavirus. These are real people, real stories, the struggle to play it forward. Episode number 157 with Eddie Kramer. Experience Hendrix LLC, in partnership with Legacy Recordings, a division of Sony Music Entertainment, has released the documentary Music Money Madness. Jimi Hendrix in Maui, as well as the accompanying album Live in Maui. The film itself chronicles Jimmy's visit to Maui and how they became ensnared with the ill-fated Rainbow Bridge movie, which was produced by their controversial manager, Michael Jeffrey. We are unplugged and totally uncut with Eddie Kramer. Good morning, Arrow. I'm doing great. This project that you are revealing to the rest of the world, Jimi Hendrix in Maui, is such... Uh, you have done so much work on this in the way that I'm being transported to Maui, and it really feels like it just happened last week. Wow. Uh, so you you wanted to be there with all the folks being thrown out of their minds, sitting in a semicircle around Jimi Hendrix, and with your astrological sign in front of you, so you know where you have to sit, right? <laughs> what 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 a cool concept, though, because when I when I saw that, it was like I'm going, wow, that that would be a true connection with with the fans as well as the performance. Well, it definitely was. Uh, Jimmy certainly, you can see by the footage, Jimmy was really enjoying himself, and so was the band. And they were playing at the top of their game. When, when, when you come across a project like this, because, I mean, there, there, I've, I've not seen a lot of the footage on this before. What is it like for you to open up a door and there it is? Because your imagination, it must take off immediately. Well, it's, it's a little bit of a, a lot of, well, it's a lot of work. Firstly, the, uh, the footage, unfortunately, was... Uh, not as lengthy as it could have been. Now imagine, you, if you're one of the folks involved in this movie, and by the way, the documentary is about the making of Rainbow Bridge, which was a bit of a disaster as a movie. And your, your, your task is to film Jimi Hendrix. Can you imagine you're filming Jimi Hendrix on the side of a volcano with <laughs> 55 mile an hour winds blowing, and guess what? You run out of film filming Jimi Hendrix. Can you imagine what <laughs> was going on in these people's minds and what state they were in? <laughs> well, what was really interesting is that when I read about the volcano and the 50-mile-an-hour winds and stuff like that, I'm going, okay, now I have to go back and watch it again just to find out how it affected them. It didn't. It, it's the, the whole entire band was just right in tune and on time. Yeah. So that, that's the, the good news is that the audio guys were actually recording the whole thing. The film guys were out of it. But thank God they did, uh, the, the audio guys, because we included both shows were recorded. It, they, they hadn't been released before, the audio, but I just remixed it. So the tapes weren't in the best shape, as you can imagine. It was 8-track, right? Actually, it wasn't even 8-track, because the 8-track was the pulse tone for the cameras. So it was only 7 tracks of audio. I've managed to remix it and make it sound halfway decent. So now when you get the opportunity to go back in there and remix it, I mean, that puts you really up close and personal, next to Jimmy's fingers itself. I, that, it has to still amaze you on what he was capable of doing. Oh, yeah. I mean, every time we put up a tape of Jimmy's, and 
this particular one is really good because the band, as I said, they're playing they're playing tremendously. I mean, they just finished a big show in Honolulu a few days before that. Fifteen thousand people, right? And Jimmy was getting paid a hundred thousand dollars plus in those days. And then he had to come across to Maui because his manager said, Hey, come on across, we've got this little show for you to do. <laughs> And this was supposed to be in their vacation, you know. <laughs> well, yeah, and, and this was really kind of a deal, wasn't it, that Jeffrey tried to get set up with, with Warner Brothers? Yeah, he did. I mean, it was, I think it did go through Warner Brothers, but he was quite an operator, to say the least. But I think he got sold a bill of goods for the Rainbow Bridge picture. <laughs> <laughs> which, which, was, which was a, bel- a belly flop. But the thing about it is, because weren't they, they were they're trying to create a, a B-flick kind of film that would become a cult classic. And, and, but wasn't it because that, that Rainbow Bridge, the music was not featured on the album, that caused some, some consumer confusion? Oh, yeah, the whole thing was confusing, which is why they, we made this documentary to reveal the madness, the great absolute nuttiness. Uh, these stone filmmakers just didn't know what, which end was up. Now, now, Mitch, uh, I mean, uh, yeah, Mitch Mitchell w- on the drums, the way that he went in there. Now, what was that like for you to, uh, d- during that time when you went in there and remastered those drums? And, you know, he was, did you, did you just punch edit? How did, how did you get him in there to get those drums on there perfectly? Well, when we got the tapes back from that show in late 1970, after Jimmy had died, you know, we, we, we couldn't go back into the studio to do anything for a few months. It took a while to sort of, you know, get the, get the uh, juices up to go in the studio. So Mitch and I went in, started listening, and we all realized after the first tape, he said to me, i got to redo some of my drums. I said, you absolutely have to. So he studied it, listened to it. We had a little projector set up for him. And he watched the film, rehearsed a couple of times, punched it in. It was amazing. In one take, he would get a 10-minute <laughs> solo, 10-minute drum track. That was perfect. It was right in sync. He was, he, he was very dedicated not only to his craft, but also to the memory of Jimmy. So after Rainbow Bridge, Jimmy heads back to the Electric Lady Studios. What was it like for him that that finally his vision was coming true with that studio? And what was it like for you that you got to be in that studio? Well, I designed the studio for him, uh, put it together. Um, We built it for him. Um, John Stark was the the studio architect. I, I was the engineer architect, so to speak. And we built it with Jimmy in mind. This was his house. This was his home. And he loved that studio. He was very efficient and worked extremely well in those days. You know, he loved coming in there. He'd be on time, which was amazing. And everything was dialed in for him. He'd walk in. We'd be set up in minutes as opposed to messing around, you know, for days. So... This was a joy for him. Well, one of the things, some of my favorite pictures of Jimmy, sure, are the concert shots, but they were they were the, also the pictures inside the Electric Lady Studios because it almost felt like that he was, you know, like like the king of the world. He but but he was very satisfied to be in that place. Well, it, I mean, he lived around the corner in the village. He could walk from his uh, apartment. It took him five minutes. Nobody messed with him on the street. He would carry his guitar. He would come downstairs set up, we'd be ready for him. And the studio was state-of-the-art. This was a studio that was built for the artist. No studio in the world had ever looked like this, you know, with all the lights. He would say to me, hey, man, 
I want some green, I want some purple, I want some red. He would tell me all these different colors, and we would we'd set the mood uh, in the studio, and the walls of the studio would be washed in these different colors. So this was an environment made for Jimi Hendrix. Wow. Well, congratulations on this project. As usual, you are keeping a legacy very much alive, and you are keeping the history of music just, just moving forward, which is where it needs to be. Oh, you're very kind. Thank you, sir. I really appreciate your comments. Please come back to the show anytime in the future, Eddie. The door is always going to be open for you, sir. I'll be there, my friend. Just, you know, as soon as I've got something I want to play, I'll give you a ring and we'll let's do a longer show. Excellent, man. Be brilliant today, okay? I, I hope so. From your words to God's ears. Hey, that's Play It Forward. You can listen to other conversations just like this on all three of my podcasts, Like It's Live, Unplugged and Totally Uncut, and View from the Writing Instrument, all found on every digital platform.